Well, most of us face times in our lives when we are between a rock and a hard place. Anyone ever been there? There's like no options. No options look good. You don't know which way to go. You don't know which way to turn. Well, Ruth in the Bible, we want to look at a great woman of the Bible because it is Mother's Day. And so uh, when there was nowhere to run, Ruth made some incredibly wise, wise decisions, wise choices. And so we're going to learn from this woman that God mightily used, became a, in, came into the genealogy of Christ himself. So we're in Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine, this is a key word, in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi. Names of his sons were it's listed there for you. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives for the woman of, from the, of the woman of Moab. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth, and they dwelt there about ten years. Both Mahlon and Chilion also died, so the woman survived her two sons and her husband. So only Naomi and the two daughter-in-laws are left. Then she arose with her daughter-in-laws that she might return to, from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the, country, in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore she went out from the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-laws with her, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them and lifted up. they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, Surely we will return with you to your people. We'll pick up a bit more of that story shortly. So Naomi urges her two daughters-in-law, because their husbands have died, to go back to their own family. So they face a difficult choice. They're between a rock and a hard place. And the choice is basically this. Either they leave their homeland and go to Israel with their mother-in-law. That way they could follow God, but possibly face a life of loneliness and poverty. Or the other option is they go back to their own families, back to a godless lifestyle, but they would be provided for. So they are between a rock and a hard place. Which way do you go? You know, follow God or be provided for, I guess, what it came down to. So Orpah chose to go back to her family, and Ruth chose to go with Naomi to Israel. Orpah, as we just read, she kissed Naomi goodbye, not realizing that she was also kissing goodbye to her opportunity to go on with God and for God's plan for her life. You know, we all face tough decisions in our lives, from time to time, they're going to significantly impact on our entire future and our destiny. And what we need wisdom is to know, are we in that moment in history in our lives, between maybe a rock and a hard place, or facing a, a major decision? And depending on what we do with that decision, if you extrapolate it out, it's either going to take us on into the fullness of what God has got for us, or it may well take us way away from what God has planned for our lives. This is what happened to Orpah. She made this decision not realizing that the consequences were astronomical. And friends, all of us are going to face decisions in our lives when that is going to be the case. We can go in one direction or the other. Both directions can actually look quite good. They can look even have the, look, almost seem to have the favor of God. But if we're not very, very careful, we can make a wrong decision. And we need to be very careful in these times. One, we've got to discern that we're in a moment of great decision in our lives. And secondly, we need to diligently pray for God's guidance and wisdom. 
A couple of things we need to do there. First, we need to get godly counsel. Ask, get the multitude of counsel as there is wisdom. Don't make decisions in your own strength. I'll tell you why in a moment. Secondly, we've got to make sure we're being led by the Spirit and not led by our emotions, not led by fear, not led by the need for any other thing in our lives, but be led by the Spirit of God. Jeremiah 10, 23 says, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. That's one of the most important verses in the Bible. It's God has not given you the ability to direct your own steps. If you make decisions based on human wisdom, you are going to make wrong decisions. You need the guidance of God. You need the counsel of others. You need help to move in the right directions. And that's what Oprah and, Naomi, uh, and Ruth were facing. So Ruth goes with Naomi. It looked the tough road, but it led to life. Orpah chose to go home to her gods of Moab, and she is never heard of again. Never heard of again. You know, I think back, and Adrian and I often reflect on this, of the young people we came up with through our youth, youth years, and the students we went to Bible college with. Many of them, I believe, face critical decisions in their lives and made wrong decisions, and many of them today are far away from God. Some are away from Christ. Some are no longer believers in Jesus. Would you believe that? Being to Bible college. And uh, many of them certainly not fulfilling the will of God. Why? Because under pressure, maybe between a rock and a hard place, they made a wrong decision. Let's go to verse 14 to 17. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Let's follow this for a few moments. A bit of a teaching this morning. A bit from the Word of God. Is that all right? Where you go, I will go. <laughs> Just think about that for a moment. Think of the surrender involved. Ruth would basically say, okay, no longer, no, no longer my will. Ruth, where you go, I will go. It was a commitment. She made a, a deep, deep commitment to follow, in this case, Naomi, who actually represents the Holy Spirit in some ways. We won't go into that today. But when we commit our lives to God, from then on, it's God, where you lead, I will follow. Where you go, I will go. God, my, I've given up my rights. I've given up my ability to choose what I want to do in life. I'm surrendered completely to you. And that's a, a massive decision that Ruth made. And as I said, when, between a rock and a hard place, she made some wise choices that we can all learn from today. Now, Naomi knew it was going to be hard for Ruth. And so she tried to persuade Ruth, hey, don't come with me. <laughs> and then Orpah's decision and common sense would say, hey, no, no, stay in Moab. Be, go back to your father's house. Be looked after. Common sense said that. Orpah is doing that. But Ruth still goes against all of that and says, no, 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 I'm going to follow, as it were, after God. And, you know, we need that same kind of determination if we're going to go all the way with God. Common sense might say, no, no, make this decision. Even other people might say, hey, look, no, no, it's a bit, other people might go in that direction. And everything is saying, let's go that way. But determination 
and commitment to follow God, you know, really does take uh, some level of surrender. People with good intentions, like Naomi, may try and discourage us. They don't mean to, but they can lead us in the wrong direction. When I became an associate pastor a few years ago, many years ago, <laughs> a person close to me came and visited me in my office and basically said to me, Tuck, don't waste your life. You got a law degree, you got an accountant's degree, go out and make some money and, and live a useful life. Don't waste yourself on this. And, uh, you know, it really, really impacted me. It sort of really knocked me. And um, I, I immediately went, this is where I had wisdom. I immediately went to another pastor in the church in one of his offices. I said, you've got to pray for me. I've just been whacked. And so he prayed for me. And, you know, when I think back on that time, I could, I, you know, I wasn't exactly... I was working hard as an associate pastor. I wasn't exactly changing the world. And, uh, you know, I could have quit. It's not likely that I'd do that, but I could have quit. But you know what? When I look back, I think about this. I had no idea. Fast forward 20-odd years what God was going to do through my life. I had no idea. And friends, you have no idea what God has planned and purposed for you. And, you know, the devil will do everything he can. And all common sense and human reasoning will say this, this, and this. But often that is wrong, friends. And we need to be led by the Spirit, not led by anything else, not led by circumstances, not led by fear, not led by emotions. Then she says, where you die, there I will die. So Ruth had no plans ever to go back to Moab. A whole lot of decision to follow God the rest of your life. Luke 9, 62. No one who puts his hand to a plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. You know, commitment to God's not tested in the good times. <laughs> we can all pass that test. It's in the tough times. That's when you really got to dig deep and say, okay, God, I'm, I'm following after you. Apparently, from the field of Boaz where Ruth was gleaning under the heat of the sun, for a meager living, she could look up and see the mountains of her homeland in the distance. And it must have been days, it must have been days when the comfortable lifestyle she had known in Moab was enticing her to come back home. Ruth never wavered, and she challenges us this Mother's Day to remain fully committed to God, no matter what the hardships. You know the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Tell the person next to you, no turning back. Come on, no turning back. <laughs> hey, Ruth had two outstanding character traits. Two outstanding character traits. This amazing woman. The first one was diligence. Diligence is more important than we realize. Seriously? It really is? Ruth had to go into the harvest field and spend the entire day under the unrelenting heat of the sun, walking behind reapers and picking up the stalks of grain that they had dropped. Not only was it hard work, it was humiliating work. Gleaning was what the poor and the outcasts did. 
You know, it's commendable to work diligently when you're paid reasonably or paid well. It's a prestigious job or it's a ful- and it's a fulfill- fulfilling job. But it's so much more commendable to work the- diligently when the job isn't any of that. And we need to pass the t- test of doing jobs we feel are beneath us. Jobs that are humbling. It's important to be faithful in little things. Faithful when it doesn't suit. Faithful in turning up when you are rostered. Hello? On kids' church. Rostered on the crash. Rostered in the car park. Rostered in ushering. Rostered on the choir. Whatever. You know, when it doesn't suit <laughs> to turn up then, that's when it really counts. Thank you for that overwhelming response to that point. I can see you're really excited by that. Excellence in small jobs, finishing tasks. When you start, finish it. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. He went all the way. He was the all-time great finisher. Be a finisher of tasks that you launch out on. There's many promises to the diligent. Proverbs 13 verse 4 says, the sluggard. Something about that word, isn't there? Sluggard. Oh, you sluggard. The sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. So I have a poem for all the diligent mums in the house. It's not written by me, sorry. She cooked the breakfast first of all, washed the cups and plates, dressed the children and made sure the stockings all were mates. Combed their hair and made their beds and sent them out to play, gathered up their motley toys, put some books away. Dusted chairs and mopped the stairs, ironed an hour or two, that's me, baked a jar of cookies and a pie, then made a pot of stew. The telephone rang constantly, the doorbell did the same, a youngster fell and stubbed his toe and then the laundry came. She picked up blocks and mended socks and then she polished up the stove, that's me again, and when her husband came at six, he said, I envy you, it must be nice to sit at home without a thing to do. Let's give all the mums a clap, please. Second quality we see in Ruth is righteousness. Ruth's righteousness stood out in a culture of rampant sin and immorality. Things were so bad that Boaz advised Ruth for her protection to stick close to the workers, stay in the field, And he ordered them not to touch her, and this was in broad daylight. We learn here the importance of living within the boundaries that God sets out in his word, even when we have to stand against the tide. Living within the boundaries is more challenging when things get tough. Ruth 1, 1 1-2 said, There was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem of Judah went to dwell in the country of Moab, him and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, the name of his wife was Naomi. See, God had promised them that as they followed him, that he would keep them alive and look after them in times of famine if they stayed within the boundaries of Israel. They had to stay within the boundaries and then God would provide for them. Elimelech thought that he was preserving his family by taking them outside of God's boundaries, outside of Israel, and all of them except Naomi died. The moral of the story Stay within God's boundaries. Now, we can experience famine conditions in many areas when there is temptation comes to step outside the boundaries that God has given us to find relief. 
Often it's only going to be an interim measure that we think to ourselves until things get better. And that's how Elimelech felt, but he never made it back. So let me give you some areas where we may experience famine and tempted to go outside God's boundaries. Number one is we may face a financial famine. So we get desperate and tempted to go outside the boundaries. We think, I'll just go out and rob a bank. No, no, we don't do that. Instead, we do something far worse. We rob God. Sorry about that. So we just say, well, I'll, just stop, I'll stop tithing, but just for a while, just till I clear the debts. But when we do that, we soon find out that God's word is true, that we find our purses seem to have holes in them and everything we put in drops out the bottom. See, tithing doesn't always make sense, and budget advisors, some of them, will actually tell you that. But not only are God's ways higher than our ways, but God's ways are right and they work. When we don't tithe, we take ourselves outside of God's blessing. And a tithe is giving 10% of your income to God. Moab promises a lot, but it will never, ever deliver. Let me just read to you from Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 and 10. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. <laughs> Imagine robbing God. <laughs> I wouldn't dare. But you say, in what way we have robbed you? He says, in tithes and offerings. Verse 10, bring all the tithes in the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord. If I'll not open for you the windows of heaven, pour out such blessing, there'll not be room enough to receive it. Verse 11, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. See, there's protection. When you put for God first and honor God, it's protection. You know, some people have a big issue about giving to God and all the rest of it, but I look at it quite simply. Everything I get comes from the hand of God. Yeah. All my money is his anyway. I'm just thankful he only asked for 10%. Seriously, he could have said 50%. He could have been like the tax department said 40%, 30 whatever it is, 30 20%, 30%. But God is so merciful and kind, he's only 10%. But it's all his anyway. He could ask for the whole lot at any time he wants to. So, you know, in pursuit of money, we can actually step outside of the will of God. Not just in not giving to God, but we can, you know, maybe change a job just because it's got better money. Or we may go and live somewhere else because it's going to give us a better job and more prospects. But I want to say, I'm not, I'm not saying that's never right to do, but just be sure you're being led by God and not being led by money. The sons of God are led by, by the Spirit. They're not led by money. They're not led by a better future. They're led by God because He's got the best future for you and He knows where that future is. Fulfilling God's call can be costly financially. And that's not just for people who do jobs like me. It can be in any area of life. This man received this incredible inheritance. It was worth millions and millions of dollars. There was only two problems. One, he had to go to another location, another country actually. And where that country was, see, he was in this church where his kids were going on for God. There was great preaching. There was great worship. It was just... They were just so connected in that church. Everything was going well. We had to shift to had no such church like that. So in the end, he, he, he actually turned down this inheritance of millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. And they said, why on earth would you do that? And he said, well, it's just one of those decisions you have to make if you want to keep your kids in God and going on for the Lord. And all his children went on to serve God. But it cost him millions of dollars. We're not led by money. We're led by God. Got to make right decisions. This is where Ruth stands out, you see. She made decisions based on following God, not on what was maybe best for herself and her future. We can find ourselves in a famine of love. 
Single people may despair of ever finding a Christian husband or a wife, and there's a really nice man or lady at work, there, and we know they're in, they know they're interested, but the only trouble is they are not Christians, they are not saved. So there's a temptation to step outside of God's boundaries in order to get our needs met. But God's way is to trust Him to bring the right one along. Young people often come up to me and say, Pastor, there's not much choice in this place. There's not much talent, Pastor. Help us. And I just tell them, I tell them a few things, but anyway, I tell you everything I say. But I tell them, all you, need, you don't need a choice, you just need one. Is that right? You just need one person and they're, they're here somewhere. But believe me, they're somewhere here. 2 Corinthians 6.14 tells us, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. It's pretty clear, isn't it? No, so don't go there. So, you know, we, the danger is you go outside of God's boundaries. So make the decision now, young people, wherever you are, you are not going to go outside of God's boundaries. So when that enticing young non-Christian man or woman comes along, you're not even going to go in that direction. You're not even going to think in that direction. It is outside the boundaries of God's favor and blessing for your life, and it will only lead to a downward spiral in most cases. All right. However, there can be times of famine in marriage, a famine of love in marriage, loneliness, pain. I'm not in this church, I know, but I'm thinking of other churches, all right? And just over the border in Moab, there's a nice, willing man or woman who looks like they could be the answer to our dreams. Do not go there. Do not go outside the boundaries. Stay within the boundaries and work on your own marriage. Moab promises a garden, but it delivers a desert full of thorns. I can see you're getting really excited about all this today. <laughs> then there can be a fact, there can be, can you see this point that we're making? Stay in the boundaries. There's going to be a lot of temptations to go outside the boundaries for one reason or another. Do not do that. Just understand what the boundaries are. My time is just about gone. I better hurry up. There can be famine conditions within church. You can't find the love, the friends, the opportunities you want, so you step over the boundary and you stop going to church. Just for a little while. Give ourselves time to lick our wounds, then we'll be back. Remember, Limelech died in Moab. It's not always easy to get back. God, God's boundaries are not to deny us. They're not to deprive us. <clears throat> if we live within them, we'll find God's blessing in times of famine. Another thing that we see as I wrap this up, or start to wrap it up, in the life of Ruth, is we see the providence of God. As Ruth chose to live within God's boundaries, she brought herself into his providential care, which basically means providence is simply this, is God is working all things in our lives according to his will. God is working everything in your life right now according to his will, his plan, his design, and his purpose. That's what is known by providence. I, I have a mindset. I see most things as, I see all things as coming through the hand of God. They're filtered by my master my life is under his control, under his providence. And so in the book of Ruth, we see God's control even when situations appear out of control. That's providence. That's trust in God. It looks out of control, but actually it's not. God's got everything in hand. So here we see two aspects of providence. We see timing. Ruth arrived back in Israel at the start of the barley harvest. That was strategic timing that God engineered because it gave Ruth the opportunity to glean and be provided for but it also gave her opportunity and plenty of time to get to know Boaz. Timing. She got there at the 
barley season, the exact timing she could be provided for and be in the field where Boaz was. So timing is important. Years ago, before we were even in pastors, Adrian and I were uh, booked to go to the Philippines. And we got a call from the pastor. He said, no, no, you can't go. We're in a building program. And so we were delayed for six months. And we were really, you know, really, it was quite upsetting at the time. We were all set to go. Six months, we were delayed. So we come back three years later after at furlough time to come back for three months. If we'd gone at the six months earlier, we would have come back at exactly the time the pastor was being put out of the church, and we would have just returned to the Philippines. I don't know if we would have lived to tell the story, but that's what would have happened. But because we were delayed six months, just six months, we came back at exactly the time when they were looking for associate pastors. And we were offered a position that was in the Queen Street Assembly of God and to become an associate pastor then, there, and then four years later, I ended up here at Church Unlimited. But that six months delay was a perfect timing of God to change the history of our lives because God had a plan for us and he had to deal with the timing issue. See, God's delays are not God's denials. God is outworking his purposes, his plan. We are always in a hurry. God is never in a hurry. We always think God is late. He's not late. He's always on time. And we learned a tremendous lesson back there, one, about God's timing, but two, about God's providence that, you know, he had everything in control. He was orchestrating our lives when we couldn't see, we had no idea what God was trying to do in and through our lives. And you have no idea either. That's why you've got to trust God and stay within the boundaries. The other thing is guidance. In Ruth 2 verse 3, we read, As it turned out, she found herself working in the field belonging to Boaz. So when Ruth went off to work on that first day, she didn't know who Boaz was. She was allowed to glean in any field. It just so happened that God directed her to the one he wanted her in. So again, providence, God was directing Ruth's footsteps into his will for her life. And God is directing your footsteps and guiding you to where you think, well, I just happen to be here or there or wherever. No, no. God is orchestrating everything. God is in control of your life. God is in control of my life. So I say to young people, stay in God's boundaries and he'll set you up. You'll be in the right place at the right time to meet the right person. And then all will be well. So if you submit to God's leading in your life, he will direct your steps and it will be an incredible journey. His plans for you are for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Trust in God. Trust in His providence. Trust in His, His guidance. Tell the person next to you, God knows what He's doing in your life. You don't know, but God knows. How many of you know God's in control of everything? Nothing's happening to you by chance. Nothing happens to me by chance. God's in control of everything. Our main thing is this stay within the boundaries. So when Ruth made her choice to cast in her lot with Naomi and to put her trust in Naomi's God, there was no way she could have foreseen the incredible blessing that God had planned for her life. She had become the great-grandmother of King David. Ruth the Moabitess, despised, was grafted into the lineage of Christ. Gosh, through making these incredibly... Imagine if she had said to Naomi, okay, no, no, I'm going to go back. A very reasonable decision, a very fair decision. Completely missed the will of God. Completely missed the destiny 
the amazing destiny God had for her, she would have missed it all. When you come to the crossroads of your life and it's decision time, I encourage you to be so careful. Be so careful. Get good counsel. Be led by the Spirit and make right decisions. You know, tragically, I see people making wrong decisions all the time. All the time. And for me, it's black and white. It's just so clear. And I sometimes think to myself, how can you be so dumb? How can you just so not see it? But I've learned this, friends, over my lifetime as a pastor, most people do not want counsel and advice. They want to make their own decision because the average New Zealander is incredibly independent. Nobody tells me what to do. Thank you very much. But it's not a man who walks to direct his own steps. It's one of the greatest lessons we can learn, friends. We, God's not given us that capacity to do it. So we need to get people around us to lead us and guide us and help us, and that includes me. So all of this worked out for Ruth after her unwavering commitment to God. After she was willing to give up ever getting married and look after her mother-in-law. After she willingly took a lowly position of gleaning in the fields, humiliating at times. She diligently toiled through all the months of harvest for little reward. All of those things. Let's allow, as the musicians please come, let's allow the life of this wonderful woman, Ruth, to inspire us and to do what it takes to follow God and fulfill His destiny for our lives. Yes, it is a challenging pathway, but the results and the rewards will always outweigh the cost. It pays to serve God. It pays to follow God with all your heart. Amen.